John chapter 2 and verse 7. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. In other words, present it to him. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worst. In other words, they, they serve the good stuff first and when everybody gets half tipsy, they don't know about the bad stuff, they bring that out later. That's what, that's what it's saying. Just telling you what the Bible says, all right? Then that which is worst. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. <laughs> Said so that this is different than what's normal protocol. Usually the good stuff comes out first, then as the party goes along, you know, they start watering it down or whatever, and it comes out, you know, it's not very good toward the end. Well, he said, this is different because you have saved the best for last. Now, of course, the governor of the feast thought this was just some sort of a tactic that the bridegroom had put in place. But actually, it was because it had gone through the hands of Jesus. How many of you know Jesus makes everything better? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments on the subject, the best for last. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got the best for last. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Amen. God bless all of you for being in the house of the Lord. I want to... I want to thank all of you that participated uh, in this recent project where we went down to the Amazon and uh, we uh, put a uh, new roof on that central church there in Manaus. If you're not familiar with the story of uh, the work in the Amazon, there's actually a book in our bookstore called uh, Full Throttle, which is a best-selling book for Pentecostal Publishing House. It's a... Um, it's a story of uh, the Demerchants, Benny and Teresa Demerchant, who have been missionaries in the Amazon for over 50 years. They originally showed up there as just young people with a little six-month-old baby, didn't speak Portuguese, didn't know the language, and uh, they uh, just dug in and had a lot of obstacles and a lot of trials, but they just kept uh, working for the Lord. They lost their 15-year-old son to bone cancer. Uh, they had plane crashes where they lost missionaries and I mean, there's all, it, it, the book is an amazing book. You could make a movie out of it easily. And uh, so they just stayed there and just kept working and kept working. And now, over 50 years later, they have a constituency of over 100,000 people that go to church every week. It's an amazing... It's an amazing work. And they have over 1,000 churches all up and down. Some of you have been on trips down there with me and we've been in canoes and rode down the Amazon with paddles at dark with flashlights only to go to a little stick church where there's no electricity and install a couple in there as pastor and, and then row back in our canoes back you know to a little floating camp I mean it's 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 really the final frontier 
There's really no other way to say it. And Brother Demerchant is a man who's flown many, many hours uh, in little planes, float planes up and down the Amazon. He's been in Sports Illustrated, Field and Stream, Private Pilot Magazine. It's, it's just, the, the story is an amazing story. And of course, I won't go into all the details, but it's not very often that Brother Demerchant will call me and say, we really have a need. We have um, something that we need your help with. But he did that um, in November of last year and um, said, you know, this church needs a new roof. We're getting ready to go into the rainy season and uh, furniture will be destroyed if we can't get this roof on. So I presented it to you, I think the first week in December and uh, we raised $7,500 and we sent that to them. And then we had uh, 14 men uh, that uh, paid their own way, took off a week of work and and made their way down to the Amazon, not knowing what they were getting into. <laughs> and I just want to thank all of you that gave, and I want to thank uh, all of the men that went, because we had such a great group. We had, I think, one of our best groups we've ever had. And there was so much harmony and so much uh, unity with our team. And um, we had a lot of challenges, but we had some incredible victories you know it's an amazing thing how you always have your victories in proportion to your challenges have you ever noticed that the greater the challenge the greater the victory so if you're going through a bunch of stuff right now i've got good news for you god's just setting you up for a big victory Amen. oh hallelujah so uh we we had a, a um a going home going service for uh our, our good brother Jimmy Camel on previous Saturday, week ago Saturday, and uh, from that service uh, we went to the airport and uh, we all flew uh, down to uh, Manaus and we had to go past it to Brasilia, back to Manaus, layovers in Miami and all kinds of rigmarole, you know how that goes in flying and traveling and all that, but when we finally got there on Sunday afternoon, they said, uh, we've got you scheduled to preach Sunday night. So our team, God bless them, they've been flying for 24 hours. We said, okay. We went to the, the room and got a shower and changed clothes and went and had church Sunday night. Boy, we had a great time too. Amen. We had a great time. and All the men uh, got together and sang. Yeah, they all sang. And I was so glad because then I was like, that group can all be in the choir. You don't have to be on the mission field to sing. And then Monday we started to work and boy, we went into that church and we saw they had all these old trusses and all of them had to be taken down. The guys that were trying to do it were overwhelmed. The, the Brazilians that were there, the, just the men in the church. So we just dug in there and we started working with them and we, they didn't have tools and Brother Demerchant, both of his planes weren't working. I mean, it was just like one thing after another. But you know what? We just dug in there and we just kept working and things just started falling into place. And, uh, and in the middle of it all, we found this out, like the day before we were traveling down there, that we were arriving right smack dab in the middle of the carnival celebration. Which I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but there's a whole bunch of debauchery that goes on during this carnival thing. And, and, and on top of it all, it's a big uh, holiday and everything is shut down. So we couldn't get tools, couldn't get scripts. Anyhow, to make a long story short, every single obstacle God helped us to overcome it. And we had a great time. We got that roof put on. and There's still a little bit that they're finishing up. And then we had services on uh, Sunday night. And then we had services on uh, Thursday night. And then on 
Friday night, they wanted us to speak to the Bible school. They had 350 students came together in a Bible school and it was, it was an amazing thing. It ended with about a 45 minute prayer meeting and these, these young people were praying with so much intensity and there was such a, a feeling of expectancy that as great as the revival has been in Brazil, the best is yet to come. And I looked out there and they, they've had over, they've, they, they have their young people. They go through two years of Bible school. They go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three nights. Now they work all day long. And they go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for three hours a night. And they do that for two years. And uh, they've had 10,000 uh, people go through that. And I think they have actually had 3,000 people in, in Bible schools now throughout there. And so when we saw their commitment, their intensity, and then the, the way that that whole service developed on Friday night, uh, it, it was just mind-blowing. And we saw how there, there was this, this feeling of we're not just satisfied with what God has done. Because you could easily get to that point where you just say, well, God has really blessed this work. It's one of the largest works of any country in the world. And we could just rest, you know, and uh, be happy. But there's such a hunger and an intensity to say the best is yet to come. And so from that, um, I got this message I wanted to share with you. And, and on Saturday, we went to the airport at around noon, or no, about 9.30, we were ready to go. Another group was coming in. The planes all started working. They all went out fishing, slept in hammocks, and, and uh, fought, you know, the, the howling monkeys and the bats and all that. And everybody survived. And, and we were to the airport on Saturday. We were ready to go back. We waited all day long, and they ended up canceling the flight. And so we're like, how are we going to get home? How are we going to get home? And then... You know, it's amazing how when things start to happen, it's like one thing after another. You know, the old saying, when it rains, it pours. And uh, so somewhere around 7, 8 o'clock last night, they said, uh, we've canceled the flight. Uh, TAM, a Brazilian airline, they said, we've canceled the flight. We're not going to be going at all. So they had to put us on different flights and whatnot. And so they ended up putting us on an American Airlines flight like at around midnight uh, last night. And we flew to uh, Miami, and we got into Miami around 5 o'clock this morning. And we went through customs and all of that, and we got through all that. And then we flew to Orlando. We arrived at Orlando, and in Orlando, Brother George Weaver picked us up in the shuttle bus, and we got here at 9.30. So I have not slept all night. I may preach all day. <laughs> I'm just running on adrenaline right now. <laughs> Sorry to drag you through all of that, but... Uh, Brother Tyler, I think, has even prepared a little video. I'm telling you, we got a top-notch team, boy. They've prepared a little video to show you a little bit about the trip. That's their convention center. They put 10,000 people in there.
Awesome. Thank you, Brother Tyler. Amen. If you've never been on a missions trip, it's a life-changing experience. And uh, some of the guys sold four-wheelers so they could have the money to go and do it. And they said it far exceeded our expectations. And uh, if you ever get a chance to go on a missions trip, it will definitely change your life. But I want to talk to you for just a moment uh, on this subject, the best for last. I feel like this is what God is wanting us to do. You know, if you look around the world that you and I live in, it's easy to get discouraged if you're a Christian. I feel like, you know, everything's getting worse and the world's getting worse and everything's going downhill. But I don't feel that in my spirit. Now, the culture may do that, but God's not going downhill. And Christianity is not phasing out. The best is going to be at the end. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. I said, the best is going to be at the end. And when you read this story in John chapter 2 and you see where the Lord, and I think there was a principle to all of this because he went to this wedding. Um, he had not done any miracles yet at this point. The Bible even says that in John 2. This was the first of his miracles. And when they ran out of wine, then they, the mother of Jesus, Mary, she went to Jesus and said, you know, they're out of wine. And, you know, the Lord's like, you know, what do you want me to do about it? I mean, he didn't actually say that, but he said, what have I to do with the woman? That's pretty much the same thing. You know, it's not time for me to start the whole miracle stuff yet. So chill out. That's just my interpretation of that. But I think that there was, there was a principle in it. And of course, this is the thing about God too. He always responds to a need where there's a need. God responds to it. And so they had a need and his mother had requested this. So he said, okay, go and tell them to fill the pots with water. And what I love about this in John 2, when you read this, is that they filled the pots, the Bible says, up to the brim. I'm going to tell you something. When you decide that you're going to give God all of your heart, you need to fill up the pot to the brim. You don't want to just serve God halfway. If God's going to do something in your life, it ought to be up to the brim. It ought to be you being sold out, giving everything you've got to God. Because there's no joy in serving God by just sort of doing it halfway in and halfway out. you got to make up in your mind, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I want to be filled up to the brim with your power and your glory. And so when they went through all this and the governor of the feast said, you've saved the, the best for last. This was, you know, obviously somewhat unusual. But I think that this is a principle about how the Lord works. And as I started going through the Bible and looking at all these different examples, I want to give a, a few of them to you because I found that there's a principle. And you know I'm big on principles. I think if you can really understand biblical principles, you can understand the nature of God. You can understand the Word of God. You can understand how God is working in your life. But you have to understand principles. Now, you can apply those principles in a lot of different ways. But if you understand biblical principles and you live by those principles, you're going to get the right result. I said, you're going to get the right result. And so here's a few examples. In Job chapter 42 and verse 12, it says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more 
than his beginning. Now, you remember who Job is. Job is a guy who's got a lot of money. He's got a big family. He's got prestige. He's got, you know, everybody in the community loves him and knows him. And then, because of something he's not even aware of, some sort of a something going on in the sky with the uh, the devil and God, and you have you considered my servant Job? And yeah, but he doesn't really serve you because he loves you. It's because what you do for him and blah, blah, blah. There's this contest, and Job becomes the focal point. And so everything starts going wrong in Job's life. And at first the Lord said, well, you can't touch his body, but you can take all his stuff. So he lost all his stuff. And then he said, well, it's because you wouldn't let me touch the body. And so he even, God trusts Job so much, he even lets the enemy attack his body. Have you ever felt like sometimes you wish God didn't trust you so much? <laughs> Say, Lord, I appreciate you trusting me that I can handle all this, but you you got way too much confidence in me. <laughs> but what does the Bible say? He will not put more on you than you are able to bear. But with every temptation, he'll make a way of escape. And so, you know, his wife wanted to know what in the world's going on and friends are coming by and, and so forth and saying, did you commit some sin, Job? And Job is sitting there and he's in an ash heap and he's got an old shell and he's scraping the boils off his body. He's lost everything. He doesn't know where to go, where to turn. All he can do is rest on principles. And this is what he said. Though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. Naked came I into this world, naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I go forward, I can't find God. I look behind me, He's not there. I've looked on my right hand, He's not there. He hideth Himself on my left. But He knows the way that I take. And when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you got to just dig in and say, I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know God's going to see me through. Hallelujah. And get a confidence in that. And so he just had to hang in there. But here's what I love about God. Whenever he completed this trial, God doesn't just bring him back up to the level he was at before. Oh, hallelujah. This, I hope I can communicate this to you. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, ladies and gentlemen. If you'll stay, stay faithful to God, the latter will be greater than the former. Now that's not a principle that you'll hear in this world. People say, well, you're going to have to just always live with it. Well, you may just always be an alcoholic. Well, you're just always going to be tempted with that. You're always going to have the emotional scars of that. Let me tell you something. I believe God can not only heal, not only deliver, but He can make it better than it ever was before. Hallelujah. God can give you so much more. The latter will be greater than the former. It's not just getting back to normal. It's not just getting back to where you were before. It's not just a full recovery. But God gives you blessings that are pressed down and shaken together and running over. He saves the best for last. So many times we live in a condemnation because there was a time when we were serving God and we were committed. But we made mistakes and we stumbled and we got involved in stuff we shouldn't got involved in and took this and took that and got addicted and whatnot. And, and so we deal with all the condemnation of that and we think, I, I, don't, I don't deserve to be blessed. I don't deserve for God to love me. And we have that cloud and it hangs over our head. I've come today to give you a word that I believe is from the Lord. That God wants to encourage you today and tell you that you don't have to live your life 
under the stigma of a mistake. He's going to save the best for last. Because if you just put your life in his hand, just like this water, it just had to be in his hand. And they said, this is the best stuff. No, they thought they had the best stuff at the beginning. But the stuff at the beginning was not in the hands of Jesus. And they just gave him water. They didn't even give him much to work with. But because he had his hands in it, it was better than anything that they had on their own. I've come to tell you that you're going to get more than you ever bargained for if you put everything in the hands of the master. Oh, he'll bless you more. He'll give you more. He'll say his spirit will be upon you. Your marriage, your family, your kids, everything will be better than it was before. If you just put it in the master's hand. And this is what Job 42 says. And the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. This is how they measured wealth back then. And have IRAs or whatever. This is camels and sheep. 14,000 sheep. I mean, he became like, you know, the Donald Trump of the, of the desert. 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and a thousand yoke of ox. God said, I'm going to just show you how great I am. You know what happens though? Most times people... They fall out going through the trial. And they never hang in there long enough to see that God has saved the best for last. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 10. And he said, referring to Boaz, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. (laughs) Uh, I'll explain to you why I think that's funny in just a moment. For thou hast shown... More kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Now, one of the things Boaz was real impressed with with Ruth early on was this great spirit that she had. She was very kind. He saw and he sold, saw her in the fields. And of course, she was trying to glean for getting some of the wheat and whatnot to help her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. They had lost, you know, their... Their husbands due to sickness and plague. And so they had gone from Moab back uh, to the homeland. And of course, Boaz was this wealthy man who had many fields and little grain and all that. And he saw, he was real impressed with her spirit. When it came to the point where Boaz and Ruth were going to be married, he says this that I've never really seen before. He said, thou hast shown more kindness in the latter than you did at the beginning. In other words, you've proven yourself. The longer I know you, the more I like you. Because you could have gone after one of these young men. Because you're a young lady. I told you I like this verse for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) If you're a visitor, it's an inside joke. My wife is 16 years younger than me, just so you know it. And he said, you could have gone after some old young, long-legged whippersnapper. Rich or poor. But you didn't. You didn't take the bait of instant gratification. You've shown even more kindness. 
Come on now, I'm fixing to preach to somebody. Because you didn't take the first thing that came along. Good God Almighty. I feel like teaching a single seminar right now. for last but you've got to give it some time you say oh i want it right now i got to have it right now i want it right now i don't care this is it this i gotta have it oh if you just wait a little bit gotta give you something it'll blow your mind he's got the best for last you gotta just walk with god you gotta just put him first and say god i'm in this for you And whenever it's your time, when it's your time, Lord. And this is what Boaz was saying. And you know Ruth was a whole bunch younger than him because he called her my daughter. And God thought so much of this marriage, Bishop, that David was born from that lineage. And Jesus was born from that lineage. Good God, I didn't realize how spiritual I was being when I asked Amy to be my wife. See what happens when your pastor only gets one hour sleep? We all, I think we all understand that delayed gratification is always sweetest. But what we should add to the mix is that God saves the best for last. See, in our minds, we're always in a hurry because we in our humanity know that we have a shelf life. We know we've only got this amount of time and this amount of time. And so we're just always coming. And, and you know what? you got to back away from it. Say, God, you know me. You created me. You know when I'm ready for a relationship. You know when the timing is right. I'm going to trust you, Lord. If I can trust you with my soul, I can trust you with my social life. Come on, somebody. I'm going to let God work it out. I'm not going to chase somebody that hasn't sold out to God. I'm going to wait until God says, this is who I have for you. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Israel thought they'd never recover. They'd never be a great nation again. He said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Deuteronomy 32, 28. For they are a nation void of counsel. Boy, these verses right here seem like they're really appropriate for the 21st century. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 32, 28. For they are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise. That they understood this. That they would consider their latter end. If we could consider, even as a nation, that our greatest days are not behind us. They can be in front of us, but only if we go back to biblical principles and do our governing based on the laws of God and not the popularity of man. I believe these principles are true. It doesn't matter if you're a nation or a family or a church or a denomination or a single individual. If you can make up in your mind, my best days are not behind me. My best days are ahead of me because I'm going to walk with God and God saves the best for last.
Devil, don't triumph over me, David said. When I stumble, I shall arise again. Hallelujah. I'm not done yet. God's not done yet. It's not over yet. God's got something greater. God's got something better. And it doesn't doesn't matter how bad the world gets. God gets better. He's saving the best stuff for the last. He's saving his biggest revival for the last days. I was sad yesterday when I received word in Brazil right shortly after we found out our flight had been canceled. Um, I got a call from a friend of mine from years ago. said, did you hear that Supreme Court Justice Anthony Scalia passed away? I said, I didn't even know he was sick. They said, yeah, he died on a ranch or something down there. I'm like, he's not even very old, is he? Come to find out, he was 79 years old. He was a Supreme Court justice since the 1980s. He was a conservative justice on the Supreme Court. On a court that continues to move further and further to the left. And embrace decisions that are far from biblical principles and moral values. But the thing about Scalia that was so interesting, I studied under Scalia in 1998 uh, in Dublin, Ireland. When I was in law school, I had a whole summer that I spent with him and he was such a personal individual, had a strong Christian core, and was very personal. We went out to eat together, we talked together. He was, he's a Sicilian Italian, I'm half Sicilian Italian. And we even kept in contact after the program was over. I ended up booking his class, which is an award they give in law school for the highest grade of that class. And here I was with all these Ivy League kids, and it was just a God thing. But in that time that I had, I, it, was, it was very interesting because... The thing that I, I walked away from in, in that opportunity that I had to be under his tutelage is that, that not only was Antonin Scalia a conservative, not only was he a Christian, but he was unapologetic about voicing concern over the condition of our nation. And I realized that we are in a day... When it's not enough to just be a conservative Christian. We must be courageous conservative Christians. Now our theme this year is love God, love church, and love people. And so we are going to do everything we can to be as inclusive as possible. But we cannot ever sacrifice the truth. We must speak the truth in love. When I heard that news, I wondered if he died a heartbreak. Because if you just read some of his dissenting opinions, it's not just legalese. It's literally him pouring out his soul. And then I had this flood of emotions as I sat there in that terminal in Manaus, Brazil, of thinking back and remembering and and uh, just, you know, all the different experiences and classroom conversations and everything. And then as I sat there and I had this flood of emotions hearing that um, what I consider to be my friend died. I'm sure he, you know, he doesn't even know who I am, but um, I considered him to be a friend. And, and then as I thought about it, I wondered if, if does this mean that we're even going to get worse off as a country because we've lost a strong conservative voice on the Supreme Court? And at least with Scalia, we had a voice and we had a vote. 
that would keep us at least remotely concerned about the bedrock of biblical values and laws. But then I thought about my God. Ladies and gentlemen, your hope and my hope has got to always be in God, not in man. Not in man. Because it doesn't matter who's on the Supreme Court or who's in the White House. God's going to save His best stuff. Woo! Hallelujah! I said God's going to save His best stuff for last. I don't know what's going to happen in this world, but I believe with all of my heart that our greatest days, ladies and gentlemen, are not behind us. They are still in front of us. The greatest revival, the latter rain, shall be greater than the former rain. And God's going to have a people. I wonder right now if you'd lift up your voice. Would you lift up your voice in your hands right now? And if you believe that word, would you affirm it right now with your prayers? In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. You can remain standing. Joel said this in the Old Testament. Old Testament in the book that bear his name, chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain. And the latter rain. Ladies and gentlemen, the latter rain is going to be even bigger because it's a combination of the latter rain and the floor. (laughs) And the floors shall be full of wheat. And the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locusts had eaten. Some of you said, boy, I wish I'd have known God when I was younger because I threw away so many years. I've come to tell you that the word of God said he's going to restore even the years that the devil stole from me. Because he's saving the best for last. And the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great army which I sent among you and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go into an hour where you're not going to have to live under condemnation. Or fear, or being ashamed. You're going to be able to come to the house of God and lift your hands and say, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He's brought me a mighty long way. And it shall come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. I can't seem to get away from that verse. Because there's times I wish that the moral decline of our environment would be stayed off a little longer because I've got twin 12-year-old boys and a 6-year-old daughter. And I thought, God, if nothing else, if this slide could just be stayed a little longer so that they would have an environment that they could grow up in. But the Lord has shown me that the latter is going to be greater than the former. Ladies and gentlemen, if you raise your children in the fear of God, they are going to see greater revival than you did. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. This thing is not going to die with this generation. This thing's not going to die with this hour. But God's going to raise up an army of young people that shall prophesy. They're going to be used of God. They're going to speak forth the truth. At one point in his ministry, Jesus turned to the follower, his followers and said, Greater works than these shall ye do. I'm not even sure they understood that. Or maybe they didn't even believe it. But it says this in verse 29 of Joel 2, And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days. Nobody's going to be excluded. No socioeconomic barriers. Will I pour out my spirit? And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever. Somebody say whosoever. Shall call on the name of the Lord. Shall be delivered. Oh, pastor, but I wasn't raised in church. You don't know what I've been through. I'm going to just tell you what the Bible said. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said. And in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. And Peter referred back to Joel when he was preaching in Acts chapter 2. And he said, this is that. That was prophesied by Joel. In the last days, he's saving the best for last. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He was even reaching all the way back into Isaiah. Where the prophet said in the 28th chapter of that book in verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Ladies and gentlemen. The latter-day miracle is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. Peter had to explain that on the day of Pentecost. These men are not drunk as you suppose. They thought they were drunk based on their behavior. They thought they had some of that former wine. (laughs) They didn't know about the latter the latter wine. <laughs> These men are not drunk as ye suppose. 
see it. It's only the third hour of the day. Why? But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Oh, Lord, you saved the best for last. Oh, you tried to get high in this world. You tried to run from your problems in this world. And you found yourself just dealing with it over and over and over again. But if you come to the Lord and put it all in the master's hand, he's going to show you what it is to be filled. Filled and overflowing with his love and his power. And when the Holy Ghost came, Acts 2 says it, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared into them cloven tongues like as a fire. Sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And begin to speak in other tongues. That was God saving the best for last. Ladies and gentlemen, he's got the same thing for you today. You've never been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You said, I'm ready to get some of the good stuff that God has saved for last. I want you to step down to where you're standing right now. Walk right down to the front of this building. Said, I've come to get my gift from God today. I'm not waiting, not one more service. I'm not waiting, not not one more minute. Here I come, Lord. Come on, God's got the good stuff. I said, God's got the good stuff. Come on now. Don't be afraid. Just come right down to this altar and say, I'm ready to receive my miracle. I'm ready to receive my latter-day miracle. Come on, take your neighbor by the hand. Say, come on, let's go. God's going to touch you and give you a miracle right now today. Coming from all over the building. That's it. We're saying, God, we're ready right now for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Come on down here. We're going to pray the prayer of faith in just a moment, and God's going to do a great and a mighty work. Oh, hallelujah.